Two guys not related, yet somehow are given the same name. It's time for the Two Daves podcast, where we'll answer the age-old question, are two Daves better than one? And now, here's Dave and Dave. Welcome back to another Two Daves episode as we once again return back from the Olympics, falling short of a medal in synchronized podcasting. Hey, I'm Dave. And I'm the other Dave, and this ain't tacos. In this episode, you will discover another reason why you should be listening to anything else but the Two Daves podcast. (laughs) Hey, Dave, it's time for the Two Daves Fact of the Day, sponsored by... Randy's Roadkill Meat Jerky. (laughs) That's right. Where every taste is a surprise from skunk to deer. Enjoy that unusually gritty feel of Randy's Roadkill Meat Jerky. A taste of the road for the road. Yum. I'm hungry. Okay, well, here's the two days fact of the day to make your life just a little bit better. Are you ready? I'm ready. Four out of five children can recognize the McDonald's logo at three years old. Yeah, you know what? Some of the facts that we present are pretty hard to believe, but this one's not hard to believe. No. We've conditioned children to recognize those golden arches. We have. Well, here's another fun fact, but I'm not for sure if our fact checkers are correct on this, but... Four out of five children that eat McDonald's food as a kid will grow up caring less about life. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that there's a lot of truth in that statement, too. Oh, hey. Well, Dave, before we bring on our guests for this episode, and by the way, this is, we are fastly approaching our 30th episode. Can you believe that? Yes. I know. I know. Hey, uh, we're going to be talking about some... uh, Real and weird reasons relationships have broken up. Now, Dave, let me ask you something. Did you ever have a breakup with a girlfriend in high school or junior high or elementary school? Of course, yes. Do you remember why? Um, Besides you being too ugly? I mean, what up? I think it had a lot to do with my ventriloquist dummy. (laughs) I think so, too, man. That's... Ooh, that dummy has gotten you into some deep water. Well, every time we we go out, you know, I'll, I'd, I'd take Jerry with me and he would kind of like pop up in between the two of us and it just didn't go over well. Well, it got expensive too, didn't it? Having to pay for three. It really did. It really yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good thing. Uh, you still got that dummy in your life, but. Yeah. Now, oh, well, Okay. Are you ready for these? We're going to take some turns at these are real breakup reasons, Dave. Yeah, you go first. Okay. First one, she didn't like tacos, my favorite food. So I dumped her. Oh, I don't, you know what? I don't blame her. I mean, this ain't tacos, but hey, come on. Is any of it tacos? Oh, man. Yeah, I'd dump her too. Yeah, that was a short one. Why don't you go ahead and do the next one too? Okay, well, once I saw a bald spot forming, I just couldn't unsee it. He was 22 years old. <laughs> wow. Poor guy. Yeah, I know. I know. One guy says, I dated this girl who was the loudest eater I ever met. She constantly chewed with her mouth open and smacked her lips. And if she really liked it, 
Then there came a litany of mm, and other unexplainable words as well. It was like dating the cookie monster. Now, Dave, you know what? I can, I feel for that guy. I understand. I don't yeah. like noisy eaters. Well, I'm a noisy eater, I guess, the older I get. Is that right? Worse. Yeah. Well, yeah. I didn't notice when I was when I was with you back in May, I didn't notice you making a lot of noise. I mean, you talked a lot, but Yeah, well, that's my noise I'm making probably. A lot of words. Yeah. That's right. All right. Uh, I'm not getting you good on your microphone. You might have to talk into it a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. All right. There, right there. So I don't have to see your face. That's perfect. Okay, good. Here's somebody. Somebody said, I once broke up with a girl because she couldn't ever decide on anything. I would say, let's go to the movies. And I'd even ask what movie she wanted to see. And she would never make up her mind. Drove me crazy. She was like that for every decision. And turns out she had another boyfriend. And when I confronted her about it, she told me she couldn't decide between the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh, oh that is goodness. good. Now that, that's a, that's a problem. That's indecision. Yes. Yeah. Oh, now, let me ask you, are you pretty decisive when your wife says, you know, where do you want to go eat? Or do you do the whole, you know, run around the circle game with that? It depends. Now, I, you're not very decisive on things like that, are you? Well, let me think about that and I'll see if I am. Or, I'm, the reason why I say that is you and I, many years ago, we were in Springfield, Missouri together. And it wasn't just the two of us. There were a couple other guys. Yeah. And we drove around all over Springfield trying to settle on a place to eat. <sighs> I don't know how we finally settled on something because we even went into one place, looked at the menu and turned around and walked out. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, It's frustrating. So anyway, you're telling me you're not decisive either. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. I was part of that. That no. quadrant, that quadruple <laughs> quadrant, quartet. Anyway, quartet. Yes. I had left him in the restaurant. She says I had left him in the restaurant because he said that cats are stupid. <laughs> I asked once again. So you're saying that my cat is stupid? He said yes. I stood up and walked away. That was our first and last date. Oh, well, you have a cat, right? I do have a cat. Okay. And you know what? I, yeah. I love my cat. But if somebody wanted to say that cats are stupid, I would agree. I'm not going there. <laughs> I don't want you to walk away from this podcast. <laughs> Your dummy's stupid, but you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, this one now. She had the same name as my sister. <laughs> I liked her and tried to make it work until I kissed her goodnight. And then that was when I threw in the towel and walked away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd probably throw up in the towel. Well, you know, I got to tell you something. I dated a girl that I treated her like my sister. And something happened one time at, a, I think it was prom. And we were just going as, you know, friends. And boy, all of a sudden she's holding my hand, putting her arm around me and wanted to kiss me and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, huh, not today, sister. So, uh, yeah, uh, that was weird. Yeah, that would be a little bit weird. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Well, she says, I once dated a guy who would occasionally talk on the phone to someone in Spanish who he claimed to be his mother. <laughs> it turned out to be his girlfriend. Oh, she, that... her heels, she walked like Jar Jar Binks. You know what I'm talking about. I felt yeah. shallow about it, but I couldn't handle it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know Jar Jar Binks, don't you? Yeah, Jar Jar Binks. Yep. Yeah. Star Wars. Oh. At least she didn't have the ears like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah. But, uh, okay, last one. He told me that I was sitting in the cat chair and could not sit there or the cat would be very disturbed. So <laughs> I got up and walked out and hope he had fun with his cat. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever known anybody who seemed to have had an unhealthy attachment to their pet. If you're looking at me, Dave, and saying I have an unhealthy attachment, I don't know. I think there are some. And, and I think maybe there are some because they've had an unhealthy attach, um, attachment to other people or they could not have an attachment to other people. So, you know, be. pets I've are very. People, I've been to some people's houses where it's just me and the other person and their pet. And I feel like I'm the intruder, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, that Those are kind of uh, Twilight Zone moments for me. I'm just like, get me out of there. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, tonight we better bring on our guests. Okay. I, I We are pleased tonight to have Rich and Tanya Hooper with us. Rich and Tanya live in, uh, live in, uh, live in Texas. Uh, Princeton, Texas, and uh, they are actually my daughter's in-laws. Uh, Marcus, my son-in-law, who is our announcer for this podcast, uh, this is his parents, Rich and Tanya, and uh, I've known them for as long as Amy and Marcus have been married, which has been almost two years. Well, no, it has been two years now. Hasn't yeah, it? two years. And Time flies. Yeah. Oh. And That's too bad for you guys knowing him two years. So <laughs> it's a rough life. You know. What was that? It's a rough life, but you know, somebody's yeah. got to do it. Well, and you, you heard me say that they live in Texas and you can understand now why they sound a little bit funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ooh, go Texas. You know, listen, we can pull out anytime and just be on our own. I'm yeah, right, right. <laughs> we are public people. We sound a whole That's lot right. funny, not just a little bit funny. We sound a whole lot funny. Oh, I'd rather sound funny. Yeah, I'd rather sound funny than look funny like Dave. So uh, it's better. Wow. Shots fired. Wow. With friends like that, man, you just don't need enemies, do you? That's right. No. Well, the reason why I asked Rich and Tanya to join us tonight is because they have just a really fascinating story of of, uh, restoration and grace that has happened in their own marriage. And uh, we just would like I, Rich and Tommy, I'd just like for you to just kind of take it from here and just kind of tell your story. I really think that it could help a lot of people who are listening tonight. Well, I will tell you that we have been married 31 years uh, by the grace of God. And Amen. this April will be, or I guess next April, uh, will be 32 years. But it was touch and go there for a while. Uh, we both grew up in pastor's homes. Her parents were pastors. Mine were pastors. And we grew up basically around ministry. We got involved in ministry very young ourselves. In our uh, while we were dating, we were involved in ministry. Then 
two months after we got married, we started traveling full-time in a band and just got into full-time ministry, went into youth ministry and associate pastors. And so for many years, we we really thought we were doing the right thing. We had kids. Marcus was 26, Natalie's 22. So during this time, uh, we were having kids and, and raising a family, raising a family and doing the best we could. Senior pastor. Yeah. And then we began to see some strain on our marriage, uh, just some issues that we just didn't fully really know how to work through. In fact, we thought we were doing the best we could. We felt like we were following the pattern that we would give counsel to other people who Absolutely. were experiencing marital issues. Yeah, we, I, I would still say the same things I told people all those years because it's all true, right? But somehow we were just tearing it up, getting it out, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know if anybody listening has ever been in this situation, but I I was so concerned I would marry the wrong, the wrong person that I almost didn't marry the right one, you know? Mm. So I knew... When I walked down the aisle, I knew that I was supposed to marry Richard Hooper. I knew I was. So when things started going funky, I was like, wait a minute. I did everything I could to avoid this situation. How in the world can I be here? You know, how can I be here with my husband asking me for a divorce? Mm-hmm. How could that happen? How could we not agree on ministry? That's the one thing I would have never thought we would have disagreed on, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and we had issues with parenting. Not Marcus so much, but Natalie. You know, it was just a the difference in personalities, right? All your kids are different. Um, and we had some issues with like, for example, Rich is a recovering avoider, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a recovering exploder. So and I don't really want to boom. talk about the avoidance nope. issue. I really don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he wants to <laughs> tell, tell, us, tell us a little bit, expound on that, what about an avoider and an exploder. What does so, it mean? Yeah, my personality is such that I tend to just not want to talk about things. And I feel like if we could just let things kind of go through the processes and just let it kind of calm down. And if we get into get into an argument, I'm going to be the one that wants to just walk out of the room and just not talk about it. And if we just don't talk about it, things will calm down. And then after the emotions and it sounds noble, but that avoidance tends to be just ignoring it. And then it begins to fester and grow and become this big monster uh, and she is the opposite of that. She's like, no, we're going to talk about this right now. I'm going to nip this in the bud. Yeah. Right? we got to take care of it. And the interesting, I, I guess the interesting dynamic there with, I think when he mentions, oh, hey, when we had a fight, I'm the one that wants to avoid it. But what became even the more disturbing undercurrent there was he had feelings and thoughts about things like parenting and ministry. He just never told me. So I just thought I cruised along thinking <laughs> we were thinking the same thing still. And he just was, I know at some, one point you mentioned, and you can, you can feel free to correct me if that's not right. They mentioned if he, he was afraid he would lose me, if he would say that he disagreed on certain mm-hmm. things. And instead of talking those things out and, and coming to some sort of agreement, whether it's agree to disagree on parenting or ministry or whatever it was, he just let it lie and just stuffed it, mm-hmm. right? And I just didn't know what was going on until then his actions suddenly were really different. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't fit what we do, yeah. how we parent, how we do ministry or whatever. And he just was would just then, that's when it would come out for yeah. him. And it would come out kind of in a negative fashion. Now, the other thing was true as well. You know, he his tendency was to have that, you know, 
low, sarcastic, you know, cutting kind of thing. He was never going to be the yeller as a rule. If, if Rich Hooper is yelling at you, <laughs> you deserve it. Most of my heart, you know what I'm saying? You know, he's like back, you know, but if you push him against the wall and he, if he comes out yelling, you have probably deserved it for quite some time, you know? Yeah. So, so that's not going to be the way he generally is going to respond, even if he's upset at you, even if he's hurt at you, even if he's resentful of you, that kind of thing. And I was this recovering exploder, which exacerbated his anxiety and this whole avoidance thing, right? So I'm trying, you know, over the years, trying to get a, a grip on first, it was my actions, right? And honestly, my kids are the ones that caused me to try to figure that out more because- you know, you can't like, you know, explode at your kids and then be like, okay, now don't do that. This is how you should do that. I mean, that's a great thing. And you can say that's noble to say, don't do it like this. Mommy was wrong. Right. <laughs> but there's only so many times you can do that without the kids going, really? No, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't. And the older kids get right, the less they're going to take that. Right. Mm -hmm. So I had to, I'm like, I got to figure out this out because I knew that it wasn't right. My dad was a pastor, but he was also an exploder. So I kind of came by that honestly. Right. Um, and we would explode and, you know, get everything out in the open. My poor mother would just be like, oh, God, she's <laughs> having to really, really wreak the fall out of it, you know. So over time, I worked on controlling the anger, the behavior, but it was still down there. I was still angry. I would feel angry on the inside, even if I... And my daughter was the one that she'll uh, the discernment runs runs like in me, in me and her right, but she would say, "Mom, you're sound nice with your words, but your eyes look mean." <laughs> and I'd be like, "You better do what I'm telling you to do. <laughs> my words are gonna sound mean. You know, <laughs> this isn't going to work for you." <laughs> well, a lot of these differences, you know, in and of themselves, you would just recognize the differences and, and work through them. But we had gotten to where this became fracture between us yeah. and it had just caused what, what I would consider a toxic environment mm -hmm. in our home, all the while pouring into people's lives as pastors. Right. And, mm -hmm. and what we felt like was what we were supposed to do as pastors is, is to just give everything that we have to these other people. And the whole time we were not really doing what we needed to do for our marriage and for our relationship. Uh, and so it really just took its toll. And uh, by the time 2017 came around, it had really begun to just wear thin in our relationship. And the toxicity had really grown to where it was obvious in our church, people in our church, those who were close staff members, and definitely in our family, they could tell as well. Well, you know, there's a point kind of leading up to this where my mom stayed with us before she passed away. And, you know, I went to the, we, we were a big celebrate recovery church, mm -hmm. you know, and sure. I went to this step study during this time because I was dealing with my anger still right i said like, you know i'm just angry at this disease it's just kind of taking my mother slowly right so i get to the step study and they say to me one day they said you are the highest functioning suppressor we have ever met and i'm like i'm not a suppressor i wouldn't have thought she was a suppressor this is not who i am but what had happened they said what you're doing is like you and your husband are having these negative emotional situations and you turn around and have this great capacity to minister to other people, stuff and go, but you never go back and reconcile your negative emotions. Those just continue to build and build and build. And I was thinking, okay, hold on. And I said, and frankly, for a recovering exploder, if you're suppressing, you've kind of checked out emotionally mm. because if you're an external processor, which I definitely am, he's the internal processor of the two of us. 
um, I was just kind of shutting down emotionally because I was feeling like there was nothing I could do to really change anything for the better. Right. I was trying to stick around and you know stick with it, but I really emotionally, even though whether it was conscious or subconscious, right. Sometimes our emotions will belie us. Right. I was emotionally checking out, even though it was subconscious to me until somebody brought it to my attention. Let me, let me say something here. This is uh Incredible because, you know, those of us in ministry, uh, we understand the pressures of ministry. And yeah, sometimes sure. we fail to pastor our own families, our ourselves, our spouse. And because the pressures that are there to, to pastor the church. Now, I'm a golfer. I don't know if you, Rich or Tanya, are you guys golfers at all? to play golf. Yeah. Okay. Terrible, but I love to play. Yeah, he's got a okay. hook. He's got a, he's got a, a bum arm. So, you know. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, if you're already hitting a hook, you know that if you go into a wind, it's going to highlight that even more mm -hmm. so. Yep. So, you know, you go into ministry and we all know this, that ministry pressure highlights the weaknesses in our own life Absolutely. and definitely highlights the weaknesses in our marriage. So I'm kind of curious now you find yourself really not being able to stand one another's presence. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty so much. How, how, do you, how do you go about functioning at home uh, during this time? Well, it, it had gotten to where both of us tend to be workaholics if we're not careful. And mm -hmm. I think it's partly that drive to ministry uh, because the need is always there, right? And yeah. so that drive to do ministry, uh, plus it, when the home became so toxic, we began to uh, suppress ourselves or really uh, immerse ourselves is what I'm trying to say into our work, into mm -hmm. ministry. Mm -hmm. And just to really begin to help people. And, and I was senior pastor at the time. And, and what do I need to do to focus on the church and help it grow and facilitate all of that? And so I began to escape is the biggest word mm -hmm. into that. And Tanya at this time had become uh, in you know, long story, but the Lord had given her basically a word that she needed to go into education kind of later in life. So she went back, got a master's degree and started teaching. And that she began to really escape and find uh, her seclusion and recluse there uh, in teaching. So we began to just kind of focus on our jobs and that distracted us from what was going on at home, but it definitely didn't help anything. Well, mm. yeah, I found affirmation in teaching, right? Because I was over the worship i was over the children's ministry at the church but then because things became so toxic there kind of was a, a big issue that happened at one point in one of our meetings at the church and i just was i just started i felt pushed out of the church so then i just began to focus more and more on my teaching job and education where i felt like i could make a difference where i felt like i was valued i was not feeling valued and so that's what I did. He wasn't feeling valued. So he poured himself in the church. But mm -hmm. since he was over it all, he could kind of, you know, not block me on purpose, but just be like, I can guard myself from from you here. I can, you know, mm -hmm. let me just get into this. I'm over this. You, you, you do something else. You know, he didn't say it that way, but yeah. you know, that's kind of how how it occurred. And it was interesting because, you know, we mentioned earlier that we had issues with um, parenting our daughter, right? Mm -hmm. And so at this point, Marcus was already gone to college. So when he would come home, he would notice the changes right, as, that, that were occurring. And she, our daughter had figured out, um, Natalie had figured out how to kind of 
kind of work between us. I was a discerning one. So she didn't really want me asking her the hard questions. She could kind of rat daddy a little bit. And so she would be like, okay, mom is doing this or she's saying that or whatever. And because we were so toxic, we had these negative filters toward each other. So he just was like, believe in it. Right. And so here we were and we were, it was toxic. Right. And I'm the recovering exploder. So, you know, it's pretty easy to believe, you know, she could weave a tail. And it, would, it would be close to something that could have possibly happened. Right. You know, yeah. so with that in mind, you know, we ended up having this, this threesome in our home and the two of them kind of had this thing going on against yep. me. Right. And I became this person who I was doing everything wrong. It was all my fault. You know, that kind of thing. So when we had this big issue at the church, I ended up going to counseling just myself. Cause I'm like, something's wrong with me. I've got to get this figured out to me, but you know, you hear it enough. Right. Yeah. And so at the same time he was feeling like, you know, he wasn't being valued either, which is why he was responding and acting the way he was. It was interesting. We both did not feel valued, but then our behaviors were different based on our personalities. Mm-hmm. you know, and how we were responding to those things at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, did you struggle with guilt, like towards your children? I mean, like you guys weren't functioning like you should. So was that a struggle to, you know, in your relationship with your kids or you just didn't hide it anymore? It was just out there. Well, my mom and dad, uh, he passed away in 2012, but up to this point in time, when he passed away, rather, They'd been married 50 years and they had a great relationship. My dad was one of the most godly men that I've ever known. Mm. My mom's a great lady and she's still, you know, doing I love doing Mimi. Well. Oh, she's great. Yeah, Mimi's great. She's the she's the gr- mother and grandmother everybody wished they had. Uh-huh. Uh, the only daddy issues I have right now is he's not with me. That's the only yeah. issue I have. But all of all of their lives, I never really saw them disagree and never really saw them argue. Which was interesting. Which was yeah. very interesting. So I had in my mind, uh, that's what I wanted. Well, we blew that years and years ago. Right. You know, we, <laughs> I guess the reality of it is everybody does disagree. And the fact Absolutely. that he never saw his parents healthily disagree. Yeah. Um, and I think his mom had said later, they did. They usually did it in, in behind closed doors in their yeah. bedroom. So even though, you know, we know we're all supposed to have a united front regarding our kids, especially when we're parenting or whatever. But there are times that just seeing your parents disagree and how they handle it. Um, especially if it's healthy, it helps you understand, okay, it's not all roses all the time. People yeah. do disagree, and this is how you handle it in a healthy manner. That's, that's an interesting That's interesting because I have often heard, don't argue at all in front of your kids, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's okay to do that as long as you show them how to do it. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. the disagreement, uh, to, to be able to see my, in fact, my dad would always say, son, you just need to, you and your wife, you just need to be in agreement. You need to come to an agreement. Well, I didn't really understand what that meant. And I and I finally began to realize later on that you don't automatically agree on things, but you come to the compromise and you and you become a unified front on things and you come into agreement. Uh, and basically, just because you don't agree doesn't mean you can't be in unity and you and you make up the difference with what you disagree on by just talking it out and compromising and and learning to okay, what, what am I going to compromise on and where are you going to compromise so we can meet in the middle? You don't compromise on values or anything like that. But there's just things there like, you know, not heels to die on, so to speak, that you can just say, look, I'm going to prefer you and defer to you on this one. And we're going to be a unified front. So to answer your question, Dave, yeah, we began to feel guilty, or I did, because of what the kids were seeing in our relationship. 
and mm-hmm. how toxic it was. And I even felt guilty for uh, the church and other family members who saw that things weren't quite right, but I didn't necessarily know exactly what was causing the issue. Our church began to suffer in numbers. Uh, we, we, there's a long story there, but we, we dwindled down to, you know, we went from 200 people at one point in time to at this point in time in 2017, we're about down to 60 people uh, mm-hmm. and people were leaving. Didn't really know why. Uh, now at hindsight, I look back and I think it was just the, just the unrest that was there. But, uh, anyway, 2017, I really just felt like, okay, I need a, I need a break. Uh, things are not going well with us. And we had some other family issues going on. And I just really felt like, you know, I need to, I need to step down and just kind of focus on my family. So I, I did what I thought was the right thing to do. And I resigned from the church. Uh, we took a 30 day sabbatical there for in the month of June of 2017. And during that time, I really felt like, okay, I need to step down from the church. I didn't know what that meant as far as work or anything else. Um, but I just really felt like that's what I need to do. And, and then again, I, about what I'm about to explain to you, I, at the time, I really felt like that this is what I was supposed to do. I felt like I was making the right decisions, but I had come to the point where uh, I felt like, and this is how I felt, that Tanya had left the marriage. Our emotional intimacy was shaken years ago. Mm-hmm. And at this time, we were about two years into no physical intimacy. And mm-hmm. so we become roommates. And there just wasn't any connectedness or closeness at all. And we were drifting apart. And so I finally had decided, you know what? I, I feel like that our marriage is such a point that we, and, and our relationship was so toxic that we need a break. And we need to separate from each other with the hopes of restoring our marriage, but we just needed to be geographically in two different locations and not be spending so much time together so we can try to work things out. And you know, when we say we, you know, hadn't been physical, kind of the issue there was, it wasn't that either of us was just saying, well, I just refuse to do this. We just didn't feel safe with each other anymore. Mm -hmm. We didn't feel emotionally Mm -hmm. safe. So then nothing else was happening because we just were withdrawing from one another. But our daughter was a senior in high school at this particular point. So we, you know, we were trying to kind of keep things together, you know, for her, she's, she's getting ready to go to college and that kind of thing. So in my mind, that's what I was doing. I was like, okay, she's, Natalie's going to be graduating and, you know, we need to try to keep this together, at least for her, you know, Mm -hmm. so that it's not just this big explosion here, you know, in her, in her senior year. At this point, it had become very quiet, Mm -hmm. you know, but then, you know, deadly quiet kind of thing there wasn't a lot of there wasn't a lot of like disagreement or arguments going on but it was just emotionally dead mm-hmm. if that makes sense not yeah. how scary so how go ahead dave i just said not peaceful but quiet yes, yeah absolutely how how scary was that for you rich to come to that point of where um i mean we're just being transparent here you yeah. know for to sure. the point of where you say, I got I got to make a break. And then uh, for you, Tanya, to get to the point of where um, you, you just feel numb and dead about things and you're just existing and you probably get to the point of where I'm done just existing. I got to do something. Something's got to change, but it's hard yeah. to do that. Yeah. And I think I think I'm the one that came to that realization or that conclusion first where I said, OK, I don't want this marriage uh, the way it is. I want 
I want a marriage that is, and that, now I'm going into a very selfish phase. I'm just going to say it on the front end because everything I'm about to say is very selfish. This is where I was. I want a marriage that was with a wife that's supportive. I want her to want me. I want her to appreciate me. This was not and, me at the time. And I want, <laughs> Somebody well, else. What's interesting was I had begun, I was having these feelings of this is what I want. This is what I want. And that's a lot of, you know, you hear a lot of, I want, I want. Yeah. What, I, what I realized was uh, at the time, now looking back, I can see that what I was describing was her. And this whole time, I didn't want somebody else. He's even the thought of of dating and, and going back onto the you know dating market and the dating scene. We've been married for, you know, at this time it was 27 years or so. And I'm grown kids. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even want to do that anymore. But again, I was focused on what I wanted. So uh, after I had resigned from the church, the church ended up closing. Uh, so I helped walk that the church through closing process for about a month. And then I was just left with, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Uh, and so well, you did have certain things that you said when you closed church. Do you want to share those things? You kind of sat. The, well, you sat the kids and I down. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We had a Sunday service and he um, I wasn't going to go through the detail of it, but yeah. Yeah. And so he basically it was a sudden it was a sudden abrupt closing yeah. So, he, yeah he basically asked me for a divorce and then set the kids down and said i'm closing the church and this was like sunday and he was going to close it on wednesday it was that kind of deal like we didn't know yeah. during church on sunday that that was the last day and so he's closing the church your mom and i are, are separating you know and that's and it was just kind of like you know they were shell-shocked you know yeah. and I, it was interesting that he was thinking Hey, I want out of this marriage. This isn't working. Blah, blah. I was thinking something has to change. I don't want this marriage the way it is, but I feel like we can, we, we need to work. We can work on it, mm -hmm. but we just had to, we didn't know what to do at that point because clearly we had all the spiritual scriptures because we gave them to people all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was something else at work that we had to figure out in order to live together in a healthy way. So he was just thinking of it differently than I was. He was going to go his own little way. And I was just like, well, no, wait, let's go to counseling. Let's, let's work on this. This doesn't work clearly, but I feel like it surely can, because I kept thinking back to when I knew for sure I was supposed to marry him. So I thought, okay, you know, something has to give here. But again, we both had to want to go that direction. Yeah. In fact, I asked her for divorce three times and all three times or the first two times she would just say, you know, I just don't rush into things. And I was just wanting the pain to stop. And this mm -hmm. is going to be a very extreme uh, analogy, but uh, but this is uh, in similar ways to when someone is contemplating suicide. A lot of times it's not like they're wanting to die. They just want the pain to stop. Yeah, I wasn't wanting to be divorced and I wasn't wanting to divorce her necessarily as much as I wanted the pain to stop. And so I think I was doing what I felt like was the right thing and then gotten counsel from some other people doing what I, was right to stop the pain. But the pain wasn't stopping. In fact, I never felt a piece about it. I'd ask her twice. And finally, the third time I sit down and I said, here are three ultimatums. Uh, again, selfish. Here are the three things that I need to see before I feel good about this relationship continuing one, two, and three. And she said, well, one and two, I don't have a problem with, but number three, I just don't see. And I said, okay, well, if you can't agree to three, then we're done. And I said, well, that's it. Well, she finally said, well, I, I don't want that. I'm, I'm sad, but okay. You know? And so that night I, I cried myself to sleep. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I'm getting some resolution here. Well, what happened was uh, that night I went home. I had cooked dinner for her that night and everything. And 
So I went home and I thought I would feel relieved and I just was in turmoil. I just was in torment. And, and basically, and this is, this is the thing that turned everything around. It wasn't an audible voice, but I heard the Lord tell me, you don't want anybody else. She's the bride of your youth. She's the, the mother of your children. You don't want to experience the marriage of your kids without her. You don't want to experience the birth of grandkids without her. You don't want anybody else. She's the one you want for the rest of your life. And as soon as the Lord dropped that into my spirit, I just had this peace. I just, mm -hmm. it was like, obviously nothing had changed as far as circumstances, but all of a sudden I just had this peace to go, you're right. I don't want anybody else. And I do want her for the rest of my life. And as soon as the Lord said that, I just said, you know what? I've got to tell her. I've got to just tell her that that's the way I feel. Um, the next day she was teaching school. And so she always liked for me to bring her lunch to the classroom. Uh, and I would do that from time to time. So I went by and got some burgers and fries and a sack lunch. And so I walk into the room and when the kids leave to go to lunch, I walk in the door and I have this sack of my And room. I'm thinking to myself, does he have divorce papers? I mean, what's happening? <laughs> he was asking for a divorce last night. I was thinking, okay, right, that was quick, but he seemed very certain about it, you yeah. know? She said, hello, and went, hello. And, and I tell you, as soon as, before I could even drop that sack onto the desk, I just began to weep. Mm. And um, I had been numb for a long time. I'm not a very emotional person, but I had gotten to where I couldn't feel anything. My friends would even say, are you okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I think so. But I was just numb, couldn't feel anything. And when I said, I want you for the rest of my life, I don't want anybody else. You're the one I want. And she looked at me and she said, I want you for the rest of my life. And you're the one I want too. And then we hugged. Mm -hmm. And there was an automatic connectedness yeah. that we hadn't had in years. It's just like the Lord just took that barrier and just broke that barrier and that the scales that were on my eyes he just took those off and we just forget right there in her room during lunch when her kids were going out of the classroom, we're just hugging and, and telling each other we loved each other. And both of us were weeping and it was just very cleansing. You know, something that he said that was very, very important for me was he came in and he said, you know, last night um, I was giving you this ultimatum. I didn't, wasn't thinking of it that way, but what I felt to see was that you were compromising on two thirds of what I asked for. Yeah. And he said, I failed to see that you were trying to compromise to work this out. And that was my marriage. I had always felt like we were trying, we were having trouble communicating to compromise, to come together. And just the fact that he said, I see that you weren't trying to be difficult. You were trying to compromise. And so all those years of me, uh, me having this, you know, he, him having that response of, all right, you're just being difficult, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm really, let's just work this out. Let's get a win-win situation here. And that just, I knew that was the Lord. I knew God had, had done something. And that was, so meaningful for me and it just really impacted me what what happened i mean right when you had that moment then were you guys were you out of the house then at that time rich or not yeah yeah so i was living with my mom actually who lives here in town uh so okay. tanya was in the house we had been separated for i don't know how long by this time probably two months or maybe three months uh, and so uh, when we made, when we had that epiphany, you know, we're the, you're the one that we want, things didn't change automatically. And they no, no, just, we had a lot of work. They to just do. didn't fall right into place. No, no. Uh, and I didn't move back in. Uh, we didn't resume intimacy, nothing. It was just, but the thing that did change is we got the answer to the question. The question was answered. The rest was details. And so we began to talk and we agreed to go to counseling. And uh, we went to two or three different counselors before we found one that we really liked. Both Fourth of us. One. Fourth one. Yeah. 
And so we began to go to, to Jill, our counselor, and she really helped us walk through things. And I would get frustrated thinking, you know, I really wish things would, would move along quicker. You know, I want to move back in the house and I want to resume our marriage and you know, everything that goes with it. And the Lord just told me, he said, just trust the process. This is a process. You just need to trust me and trust the process. So I began to relax and not have such high expectation and let the process work of us going to counseling and learning how to communicate with each other and learning how to relate to one another and really discovering one another. And that's what we were doing through this whole process. You know, something we found was that we really had never been vulnerable with each other. Yeah. We thought we had. Mm-hmm. But we found out that we both had some issues like in our childhood with some sexual abuse. But I thought, you know, I, I moved on from it. Right. And he knew about it. He knew about mine. I knew about his, you know, but we had found that we were guarded with one another mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. We were with everybody. But we weren't letting each other in. Yeah. I might talk about it, but I'm not really processing it. I wasn't I wasn't really healed from it, but I just. I dismissed it instead of actually dealing with it. And when we started talking to each other about some of these things, because what what happens is then you feel like that if you if you really knew me, you wouldn't really love me. Not not really. Yeah. Not the way you think you do. I'm not really right. who you think I am, you know. But it's all subconscious. It was all on this subconscious level because so many years he might say something to me and he would like be frustrated and, you know, raising his voice. And I'm like, well, are, you, are you upset with me? What did I do to you? And he was like, I, nothing. And I'm like, well, then why are you yelling at me? And he was like, I don't know. You know, well, then as we kind of went through things and went through counseling, he kind of, he said, you know, I was really not in touch with my emotions. But what we found out was that he struggled with anxiety. Mm-hmm. So when I then understood his anxiety, right, then no. we would be in situations sometimes that I would just say, oh, this must make you crazy because it's bothering me. Yeah. And the he, fact that she would recognize that the anxiety and that that was what that was, it was comforting to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And then I also began to realize, you know what? She, she knows me and it, it has helped increase our connectedness. And I accepted mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It wasn't something and accepted. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that goes back to remember back when we both, neither of us felt valued. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, because we really never felt accepted because we were never really vulnerable with one another to mm-hmm. let each other really know all those things. You know, mm-hmm. we were suppressing things that we weren't even dealing with as individuals. So how can I be vulnerable about it? Because I, he didn't even recognize that he had this anxiety issue yeah. because, you know, he hadn't dealt with those emotions. I didn't even realize I hadn't dealt with the abuse from my past, you know? Mm. So that, so in dealing with those things, that's why I think great Christian counseling is always good for you. <laughs> even if you don't it make is. it, you probably do, you know? <laughs> but you know, it, we had, we had a, a Christian counselor on several weeks ago, and we talked about how kind of the stigma in Christian circles that sometimes Christians feel like, Christians should not go to a Christian counselor. And that's, Uh we talked about how ridiculous that is. It's like if you have cancer, you shouldn't go to a doctor. Yeah. Um, When there's a need, you've got to go. And the same would be in marriage counseling, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And let me say this to you, Dave, because I I know there there was a pretty big trauma that happened in our family. Oh, how many, about seven years before this whole big explosion with he and I, right? And at the time, I thought, you know, we should probably go to counseling just to reset, make sure everybody's good, you know, kids, us and everything. But we didn't have the money, didn't feel like we had the money. Yeah. You know, you're raising a family, you're doing these sorts of things. And I've encouraged 
um, people that we talk to now, I'm like, listen, they'll be like, oh, well, you know, I don't know, you know, and I'm like, you've got to prioritize it because yeah. that's a red flag. If you think you're in a situation where you need counseling, even if it's not your marriage per se or whatever, man, you need it because normally you need you it even if you, you don't do see it. Yes, you can't but, afford not to, right? Right. Because our issues, we didn't see red flags in the early years that we should have seen. Had we seen those and gone to counseling, I feel pretty confident we could have avoided where we went in 2017. Yeah. Uh, right. So but you said that you went to several marriage counselors before you found one. What, in case there's somebody who's listening, and there probably is, who uh, is their, mar their marriage is in need of counseling, what do you look for in a marriage counselor? Well, look for somebody who always agrees with the husband. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's not. Oh, that. I'm sorry. That was number two. Sorry. Oh, okay. we, we had that experience, you know, where Rich was always right, you know, and I thought, listen, I know I've got issues, but, you know, he does too, right? You know, yeah. so we're like, next, right? And then definitely you don't want the counselor to make you cry all the time. We had one counselor who made me cry all the time. Not in a good way. In a bad way. Yeah. And so he was like, I'm sorry, sure. But he did give us one big tip that we did carry with us he told us now he couldn't tell us how to fix it but he did he did see it <laughs> he said you know you guys strike me more as co-workers than a couple and we were we just looked at each other and we thought okay so because, what's know, the difference we've been partnering in ministry in marriage and parenting and yeah. we thought well, we don't know how to do this any other way how do we do it differently yeah, how do you fix it now he couldn't tell us yeah. so you know we moved on you know? i think the biggest thing that we found in jill our yes. current counselor is she understood, she related, she she knew what it was like to be in ministry so she could relate to the scenario and the situation in our yeah. lives. Uh, her and her husband were in ministry as well, mm -hmm. but she would, she would, both of us felt heard, both, both of us felt uh, like the way we were feeling was uh, acknowledged, but yet she also would course correct us, but in mm -hmm. a loving way. Yes. Uh, there was one time where she, you know, she and I had a little thing, you know, and she's like, you want to go toe to toe with me? And I, and she's I wanted super to. low key. Like she's like, you want to go toe to toe with me? And I'm like, and there were times oh, she where means that, but it sounds so she would know, be talking to Tanya and I'd go, yeah, right. Like that. And she'd go, Hey, I'm going to get to you in a minute. I'm like, okay. Yes. <laughs> she was an equal opportunity offender, you know, yeah, but, she was, she would challenge you, yeah. but she would also make you feel like your feelings were, and she would say that your feelings are validated because yeah. you know, there's that tendency back, back um, before we got into to a recovery, I started realizing, okay, so, something's off with me. Where's that, where's that girl I used to like and have fun with? You know, she was disappearing and I wasn't sure how to get her back. And I would say to Rich, I would say, you know, I don't plan to stay here, but this is how I feel because I felt like I needed to get it out, right? And he would say, well, that's not good. <laughs> and I was like, well, no, it's not good, you know, but so, you know, in kind of the whole idea of saying, well, don't feel this way. You know, she really kind of turned us around on that yeah. idea because she said, you, how you feel is how you feel. Yeah. I think you, know, you biggest, can't tell somebody how to feel. The biggest right? piece of advice that she gave us that I would say was probably one of the turning points for us in our paradigm was treat the emotion, yes. not the circumstance. Yeah. And I don't know how many times I've told that to someone when you're in a situation and, you know, how many times have we, the three of us, all of us that have been in pastors before counseling with married couples and they come in with a scenario like, you know, I was loading the dishwasher and I was putting the forks in. And my husband was like, you never put the forks in tines down. It's always tines up. And, you know, you don't squeeze the toothpaste from the middle. You And those things are just issues that are not that big a deal. But when there's so much negative emotion there, 
you tend to get distracted by the toothpaste and the dishes and you yeah. stop to think, okay, you're feeling disrespected by how I trying to correct you to load the dishwasher. And instead of focusing on the disrespect or feeling disrespected and not feeling accepted, uh, when you stop and you get up to here and you start treating the emotion, that's where you really begin to find resolution instead of just getting distracted by the details of, of the battle. Right, because we, for so long, we needed to be right. And we got caught in this hole. And somebody had to be right. And, and somebody had and to be Jill wrong. And tells us that men tend to think, this is what I think yeah. about things more than women. But we had kind of both gotten to be like, I'm right. And this is why I'm right. And one of our counselors said, you kind of, your guys are in foxholes, you know, yeah. and you're yeah. not <laughs> coming out. And I was like, well, yeah, how do we come out? Yeah, we yeah. moved on from that counselor too. But, you yeah. know, but the idea being, how do you feel? How do you feel about this? Not yeah. what do you think about it? Because I could be totally right in a situation, which usually happens. No. Uh, <laughs> not true. It's how I communicate to her. And if I come across to her in trying to prove myself right and I and I treat her wrong, I'm wrong. And so we can both be wrong in a situation. We can both be right. Now that just made my mind yeah. tilt because I'm like, nobody, no, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. Yeah, we had to really get our heads around that whole yeah. idea because we were so entrenched in that. Wait a minute, but somebody's right here, and who who needs to who needs to change? Yeah. One of us has to change because either I'm right or he's right. And then the whole idea being, what well, you can both be right and you can both be wrong, yeah. but how do you feel about it? And how are you treating each other in that process? Are you honoring each other? That's good. Or are you disrespecting one another? Yeah. 27 years to discover yeah. yes. uh, a way of communicating effectively. Oh yeah. And, and the two different personalities actually coming together as one. Absolutely. And, you know, the interesting thing is uh, that we are brought together to balance each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a firm believer that God has somebody for everybody. Right. So yeah. the recovering avoider and the recovering exploder balance each other as long as we do so in a healthy way. And we are not, you know, we can always be every personality is has a healthy mode and has an unhealthy mode right so yeah. when we're functioning in a healthy mode then we're going to run on all cylinders right but if we're unhealthy for any reason then that's when i start responding in a way that's negative or he starts responding in a way that's negative so it's important that's why when you when you mentioned the thing about counseling it's important that you know who you are because for so many years we really, he didn't understand who he was to, to know the whole anxiety issue. I wasn't really dealing with things from my past because I was ashamed of it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so when you feel like ashamed, then you don't think, how could you love that? How could you love this thing that's making me feel this way? Right. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter how deep you shove it down. It's still there. So I encourage anybody who's listening, you've got to deal with your past issues, whether it's abuse, whether it's just your family, you know, we're all really, we all got some level of dysfunction, we do. you know, we do the best and highest that we can as, as Christian parents. And our goal is to launch our kids off higher, further and faster than we were. But listen, all four of us sitting here, we know we all have flaws. We do. And those are going to, to some degree, affect our family, our kids and that sort of thing. So I encourage anybody out there, any anything that you has happened to you in your past, don't just dismiss it. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you unpack those emotions. Some people will say, you know what? Oh, just, you know, build a bridge, get over it. You know, that kind of thing. 
Yes, but there's a way that you get over it, right? Yeah. You don't just traipse across the bridge and act like it never happened. You've got to unpack that the, those issues and those details. And I think the devil tries to lie to us sometimes and say, oh, you're, there's nothing wrong with you, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there's not, you know, in Christ, but he tries to get us to distracted from the whole issue so that we won't mm-hmm. take care of those emotions and those things when really God wants us to, God wants to, to root things out of us. I love that song that's out right now about, God digging all the roots out. I'm like, yes. And it's so excruciating sometimes mm-hmm. when he's digging those roots out. And it's, mm-hmm. and often we don't want to do that because we know it's going to hurt, right? It's, it's hard work to, and it hurts, yes. But in the end, we're going to be free. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be free of those things that have been holding us down and causing us issues in relationships and, and other areas of our life. Can we just get past the point of where, you know, God's called us into ministry, so therefore... We have to act like we have our act together. I mean, it's just, you know, I remember my counselor one time, Dave and I had the same counselor. Um, he was in worse shape than me, though. But anyway, uh, but uh, uh, I remember her saying, you know, my wife and I were really struggling. Just um, I'm an only child and I stuffed. I didn't have really anybody to talk to. So I I'm kind of like you, Rich. I um, ended up imploding, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife, um, she'll just tell you how it is, you know, but I, she was trying to tell me that our counselor was trying to tell me that it's like somebody who, um, you know, is, is um, can't, can't talk uh, and they're trying to get the other person to know what they want and they can't figure out how it's done. Yeah. Until somebody shows them how to communicate with other people. And the frustration just grows and grows and grows until you just clam up or you just you you uh, get out of there. And so mm-hmm. what I yeah. love hearing tonight is you're talking through things, you're working through things, and really you're experiencing new new avenues of um, communication of oneness, togetherness, like you probably never have before. Oh, absolutely. No question. Yeah. The last four years have been the best years of our marriage. And I I tell people today, our marriage is better than ever. And we still have differences of opinion on things. For sure. Uh, I'm still working on being more vocal about things I disagree on. and, And she is learning how to communicate with me. But the biggest thing is we feel like we're connected and we, and we always will come back to, uh, just the other day, we were like, okay, we feel, we feel, we're starting to feel distant again. And that's such a trigger for both of us because we were so distant for so long mm-hmm. that we're like, okay, let's stop. Let's put our pride aside and let's talk about why we think we're drifting apart and what this, what this thing is. And so we have, we'll set, we have a list of things that we're like, put this on the Jill list. These are things yep. that we really can't talk about until we're with Jill to help mediate because we don't know how to come to compromise and come to agreement on them. Right. There's certain things that seem to be hotter trigger points for us. Ministry issues are hotter trigger points for us. Um, Some parenting issues with our daughter, though she's an adult now, but so if some of those kind of come in, you're always parenting, right? You know, those things tend to be hotter triggers for us, things that we still have trouble navigating alone. And we go, Hey Jill, write it down. You know, Mm -hmm. here we go. You know, but We've grown so much in our capacity to do that. And, you know, one of the things, Dave's, that I found out, I was in a Bible study with some uh, friends of mine, and we were studying the Beatitudes. And in one of those uh, sessions, 
the writer asked us a question and that question just kind of blew my mind from an emotional, spiritual, mental standpoint, but it changed me. Um, he said, what is something that do you th- that you think God owes you? Do you think God owes you anything? Because we had three big ideas we could think about. When I saw that, I immediately was like, oh, I do think God owed me. You know, because there were things that happened in trauma, traumatic instances in our family um, and some different the thing that happened to me as a child and that sort of thing. He, he was like, you thought I owed you? Because I was like, God, I gave you my life. I've served you. I've been in ministry. I've you know ministered to other people, and I did think He owed me protecting my family and protecting us and uh, and that sort of thing. And He said, "You just you didn't trust me. Ever since that happened to you as a child, you've never trusted me." I said, "God, no, that can't be true. Because look, I've, I've look at all this I've done for you, you know, over my life." And God said, "No, you didn't trust me." You didn't trust me with your with your kids. You didn't trust me with your marriage because you carried it all. Because you thought, listen, you didn't take care of me back then. So I need to take care of myself. I need to take care of my kids. I need to do all this myself. So you tried to carry something that wasn't yours to carry. And when I, I had to repent, and I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't trust you. I had to repent to my kids, repent to my husband. You know, they're grown. Yeah. But you know, we're always learning. And if we can teach our kids at any age, then hopefully they can still carry that with them, you know. But it's interesting the more we dig mm-hmm. deep into ourselves, it doesn't just affect us. It affects everybody around us. So I encourage everybody out there listening that keep digging deep because God wants to do something special and great in your life. And sometimes, even though the lid, you're so afraid to take the lid off, man, if you'll just take it off and be courageous and brave and let God guide you and lead you and let the Holy Spirit shine his light on those areas that he's really wanting to deal with, because, you know, he's not going to take you anywhere you're not ready to go. Right. He uncovered everything we needed to see. We would just be so overwhelmed. Yeah. We would yeah. probably, you know, not know what to do. But listen, trust God. He is not going to show you anything that you can't do with him and you can't change and and redeem and hit in his spirit. He's mm-hmm. so good and so gracious to us if we just stick with him and allow him to to dig those roots out of us. That's great. Hey, I, it's promo time. Uh, hey. Your church uh, hosts an annual event for couples, mm-hmm. and your yes. church is Pathway Church in Farmersville, Texas. Can you tell us a little bit about that event? Okay, we still do a marriage event. We just had that a couple of weekends ago. That's great. Uh, we've got uh, another one coming up next year. Now we're going to have it in September next year, and it's basically a conference where we just come together and couples come in, and we have speakers that will speak right into the emotional disconnectedness and how to reconnect emotionally. Yeah. Uh, if you're having physical issues and the intimacy and marriage and financial issues and things like that, but uh, we just come together and we have fun. Uh, we, you know, door prizes, we play the newlywed game, but it's just time really for couples to come reconnect. So it's, we still do marriage event and it's uh, for next year in 2022, it's September 24th and 25th at Pathway Church in Farmersville, Texas. September the 24th and the 25th, 2022. And what is the event called? We Still Do. We Still Do. Mm-hmm. All right. And is there a, how, how can listeners uh, uh, get on and register for this event? Pathwayliving.com, pathwayliving.com forward slash events. 
and you'll see that we still do 2022 event there. You can register now. In fact, uh, we've got a, an early registration uh, fee of $75 a couple. As we get closer to the event, it'll go up to $100 a couple, and that includes lunch and snacks and uh, any curriculum that you'll to. ever need. We're all yeah. about food here in Texas. Yeah. And it's one, <laughs> It's basically all day Saturday, and then we have the final session on Sunday morning, and on Sunday morning, for couples who choose to do that, uh, we have them renew their vows. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Well, Good. Amy and Marcus love the uh, We Still Do event, yes. and uh, they're trying to get us to come down, and we will. One of these That'd be days, great. I promise. Yeah. Yes, we would love to have you both. Yep. What uh, uh, do you guys travel and do things like this as well at other churches, or are no, you we, basically on? Are you on staff now? Where you said you were yeah. a senior pastor, so what do you do now? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't kind of catch everybody up there. When I left in 2017 from the church, I was a senior pastor. I had a friend that pastored in a neighboring community from where we live, and he was a senior pastor. And we've been friends for 10 years, just having lunch together and, you know, uh, kind of uh, accountability partners. Well, he said, why don't you come help me uh, at our church? My gifting is more of the administrative uh, area. And so he said, why don't you come help in the administrative areas? Let's put together a three-year plan and, and, go from there. And so even while Tanya and I were broken up, uh, I went there and started serving as an executive pastor. Uh, and so I'm still there and that's my role as senior executive pastor. And, um, but we do have some, some churches that'll ask us to come. Like we have one yes. church that's in a network that we're involved with and they want to do this. We still do event at their church this September. And so they said, would you guys come and help facilitate that day? But then also uh, on that next morning, you and Tanya could speak and give your testimony and kind of speak into marriages. And so we're going to do that this coming September. Yeah, we, we'd love to to share what God's done in us because Absolutely. you know how that goes. You're never alone. Yeah. There's always someone else out there who's having the same struggle and they're waiting to hear that rhyme a word that frees them, that resonates yeah. in their spirit, that, that helps them to move from bondage into freedom. Yeah. And I believe uh, that have the power to produce themselves. And I don't think anything ever happens to us just exclusively for us. But as it happens in, in our lives, then we can speak that testimony out and declare that. And hopefully that's yeah. what's happening today, that you may have a, a marriage that's in trouble and you may relate to some of the things that we've gone through. But then you hear the story of redemption that God has brought us back to a closer yes. relationship that we ever have uh, and how he's done that. And that could be your story and your faith beginning to rise. Uh, because the same God, I'm about to preach now. Go for it. Right? Is the same yes. God that can take you out of your mess Come and on. create a message that then you can give to other people and help set them free as well. Yes. Amen. I woke up this morning, guys, and um, I was going through like Facebook, different things. And just, you know, Monday's my day off. So I'm just trying to get my thoughts together after Sunday and all that yeah. kind of, you know how that is. Oh, yeah. And I, uh, I found this online and I, I uh, printed it. Dave, I didn't send it to you, but I'm going to read it anyway. It says this, uh, Christine Kane, you know who she is? Love her, love yeah. her. So this came on today. She said, uh, there's no heart God cannot mend. There's no wound God cannot heal. There's no pain God cannot redeem. Mm -hmm. There's no enemy God cannot defeat. There's no bondage God cannot break. There's no need that God cannot meet. There's no mountain that God can't move. There's no relationship that God cannot restore. There is nothing our God cannot do. That's Ooh. good. 
that's, that's powerful. Good. Yeah. The only thing that would have made that better is if you did that in an Australian accent. Then you just yeah. <laughs> Hey, you need to send that to us, Dave. I, I will. Love to have that. Yeah, I will. You, you know, I'd like you guys to do something. We, we've done this a few times. We don't make this a Bible study. We don't make it political, but we, we sure do. You know, we're not ashamed of Jesus Christ and Amen. we're not ashamed of the working power of God. But there are people listening and uh, there, you know, the thing about the Internet now is there might be people that will listen to this six to eight months down the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's God's perfect timing. I'm just wondering if maybe you could um, just speak to these, you know, people that are struggling, especially in marriage. Um, they're wanting to throw it, throw it in, throw in the towel and just uh, escape. But if you could just talk to them and pray over them, Absolutely. Uh, I think that would just be an incredible thing to do right now. Absolutely. Well, Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to declare your goodness. Amen. And even in situations that are not good at all, you are still good. Amen. And no matter what, what time it is, no matter where anybody is listening to this podcast, you are still good. You're on your throne and you yes. still have plans for their marriage yes. and plans for their life. And I thank you, Lord, that nothing that we did uh, thwarted that plan, that you finally got my attention, got our attention to settle in and to listen to you. And I just pray, God, that there's maybe some listening right now that are they don't feel like there's any hope in their relationship mm -hmm. and in their marriage. Mm -hmm. But God, you are the source of hope. In fact, yes. in the Bible, that you are the anchor of our soul. Jesus is the anchor of our soul. And that soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And God, you can be that anchor to anchor us like you did me to have that decision to say, you know what? I'm going to trust you, God, with this. I'm going to trust the process. I'm going to trust you. And I just pray, God, that anyone listening right now, maybe their marriage is not in crisis, but there's just some difficulties there. I pray that you give them the faith to realize that you are the bonding agent, God, that can bring them together and knit them together. Mm -hmm. And I pray that you just do that right now in both of their relationships, Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, I just, I just sense there's someone out there right now, and, and you've just said, I just... I just don't have anything left. Yeah. And I just hear God saying, you just hold on, mm -hmm. hold on a little bit longer yeah. and mm. just continue to trust in me and believe in me because I am the answer. I don't have the answer. I am the answer. Mm -hmm. And just be encouraged today that God is with you. He sees you and his love is very, very great for you, more than you could ever imagine. Mm. And if his love is so great for you, then his love is so great for your marriage and yeah. your relationships. Mm -hmm. yes. Believe on him, trust in him because he will be there for you. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Wow. So good. God is good. Yes, he is. That's so encouraging to me tonight. I, I needed to hear that oh, and, and, and see that and just you can see it in you guys. And uh, I love the scripture that says that, uh, you know, they'd known that they had been with Jesus. You know, mm -hmm. I'll tell you what, you're going to see that. And uh, that's that's incredible. Thanks well, so I'm much for I'm glad that you could see it on our faces because what you didn't know is under the table, the dog was biting my hand like crazy. <laughs> we, we heard your doggy a little bit. That's great. Uh, That's uh, great. Listen, Bella, Bella, Bella is her name, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> she is a sweet dog. I tell yeah. you, she's a, she was a puppy when I saw her back in she May. Misses you, Dave. She, she misses you, Dave. Miss she's slightly calmer than when you last saw her. <laughs> keep praying for her and keep praying for Rich, yes, especially. Rich, your relationship. Well, Dave's not slightly calmer. I can tell you that. So uh, <laughs> maybe that's why we got along 
somewhere. Right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, and I, I tell you what, there's one thing that uh, that you said, Tanya, earlier, and that's about uh, about all of our faults. We need to deal with our faults. I just hope that Dave has heard that tonight, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm really praying about that. So. I am. I'm writing. I've wrote down a lot of your faults, Dave, right yeah. now. So uh, I'll be giving Jill a phone call before too yeah. long. So uh, Dill's all. We recommend it to anybody. Right. Awesome. And she does Zoom now, so that's hey, right. there you go. That's she can good. I tell you what, we could use counselors in our churches for sure. Yes. Good counselors. Good ones. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, Dave, yeah. I'll let you have the last word. Well, thank you so much, Rich and Tanya, for joining us. It's good to talk to you again. And we look forward to our next trip to Texas so we can uh, we can uh, eat together and play yeah. some games. And, yeah. and I, I can yeah. show you how to play a game or two. And yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> right on, yeah, man. we Let's got to love it. on the other two of your daughters last night. We uh, did. Hannah and Jessica were here. And, and those grandbabies yeah, were got to see those last night. So yeah, I, I, I missed yeah. being with them. That, that'd be that'd be fun to be all together, but you know how it is. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, guys, thank you so much for what you're doing, uh, just to bring joy to people's lives. Amen. And I know it's uh, it takes some time for you guys to do this, but I know God's going to bless you and redeem your time. And just thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity yes. to be with you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you, Rich and Tanya. I appreciate that so much. Well, we want to thank Andy, don't we, Dave? Yes. And our listeners for being with us during this episode. And if you're listening to us on, um, on uh, YouTube, make sure that you subscribe. Click that bell next to it so you'll know when the next episode comes out. And it's just been a... Uh, a fun time tonight and a great time to be encouraged and to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. Yeah. Man. And uh, we also, I just want to shout out to Dan Quayle because I know he's listening tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to comment wherever you listen to this podcast. Help us increase our podcasting viewership this coming week. And until next time, remember that two days are always better than one.